Well, good morning, everyone. If we can take our seats, please, for those of us who are in the sanctuary, please. And for those on Zoom, you're already sitting down, so that's fine, isn't it? Um, welcome to those of you joining us on Zoom. Um, lovely to see you all this morning on a beautiful sunny morning. We're here to worship our God this morning, aren't we? Yes? Yes. Um, God is great. God is wonderful. In fact, so wonderful that I've got a few notices. So, my first notice is, um, you'll find on the way out of church, and I think in the reception area, some forms which are for gift aid. Um, if you've already signed forms for gift aid in the past, can you redo it, please? Um, Paul Greenwood is our new treasurer, and it would be helpful for him to have an up-to-date record of everybody who's signed for gift aid. Remember, the church does benefit from having that money coming in. Um, so if you are a UK taxpayer um, and you are giving to the church and you want to make sure that the church gets the extra bit that they need, then please can you sign gift aid forms. There are lots of forms out there, white form for anyone who needs to see it. Um, and so please can you sign one of those again. Thank you. That's the boring bit done with. Now, today is very special, isn't it? So, we have in our congregation this morning, Chloe Thomas. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Chloe, Chloe is celebrating. Chloe got a new job. <laughs> Which is wonderful. But on top of that, she's also got engaged. <laughs> and, and she's going very red at the moment. So... And, and also, congratulations to James, because I think, you know, we'll need to pray for James. We need to give him all. <laughs> no, we just, we, we wish you both all the best um, in all the plans and everything else that's going to be going on. But isn't it great to see young people getting engaged and going forward in life? So fantastic news uh, that we can celebrate in the congregation this morning. So let's sing with joy this morning. Let's stand and sing if we're able. Nothing I can do to make you love me more, to make you love me more. 
morning might not be new to everybody but uh, it's the first time we've done it here it's called the word of god is light in my darkness You say you 
How good. 
Let's just bring our prayers of thanksgiving before our God this morning. How good it is to be loved by God. If you're in the sanctuary here, then please raise your hand and somebody will come with the microphone. Um, if you're on Zoom, then you can unmute yourself. But let's just give God the glory this morning. You will not fail us. God will not fail us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Thank you, Lord, for his word. How good is the God we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend. His love is as great as his power and knows neither measure nor end. For Christ is the first and the last. His spirit will guide us safe home. We'll praise him for all that is past and trust him for all that's to come. Lord, we do trust you for your guidance and your blessings that you show us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your endless mercy and grace that's been poured out on each one of us. Lord, thank you that we can come this morning freely to give you worship and praise, to give you honor and glory and thanks. Lord, you are so wonderful. And Lord, we just want to, to just thank you for the good news we've heard this morning. Lord, we want, to <clears throat> we want to thank you that you pour out your blessings upon us. Lord, you're so amazing and we just want to thank you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so now we have a young people's talk from Mark, I believe. So hello, it's great to see you all. So this week we're looking at the last of the values that underpin all our activities as a church and as Christians. That value is loving God and loving others. So the story that immediately sprang to mind was the parable of the Good Samaritan. And what I thought we'd do is we'd just watch that story first of all, and then maybe think about what it means afterwards. So when Jesus lived on earth, he often taught people using stories. Uh, and 
A story that teaches is called a parable. Jesus used parables to help explain his point. So this week, I'm going to tell you one of Jesus' parables called the Good Samaritan. So as Jesus was teaching one day, a man from the crowd, and let's call him Billy, asked, Jesus, what do I have to do to live forever? Now, Billy was an expert in the law, so he thought he already knew the answer, but he was trying to trick Jesus. Jesus knew this, so he asked Billy, Billy, what does the law say you must do? Billy replied, Love the Lord your God with everything that you have, and love your neighbour as much as you love yourself. You got it, confirmed Jesus. But Billy still wanted to catch Jesus out, so he asked another question. That's all very well, but what I don't know is who my neighbour is. Is it just the person who lives next door? That is a good question, retorted Jesus. Let me tell you a story to help you understand. There was this man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, all the people listening were Jews, and they knew that the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was particularly dangerous and known for attacks by robbers. But the man had no choice. He had to go to Jericho. Well, while he was on the road, Jesus continued, he was jumped by robbers who beat him up and took all his money and even his clothes. The robbers left him for dead at the side of the road. Now, a little while later, a priest from the temple happened to be traveling along the same route. He saw the man lying there. What do you think he did? Jesus asked. He helped the injured man, of course, came a voice from the crowd. No, he didn't, Jesus said firmly. The priest took one look at the man lying there, and he was more worried about getting his nice priestly clothes dirty. So he crossed over to the other side of the road and carried on by. But don't worry, Jesus continued. Soon, another man came along. He was also a temple official. He was a Levite. What do you think he did when he saw the wounded man? Well, maybe he went and got a doctor to help the man. Someone shouted tentatively. Unfortunately not, Jesus said. Just like the priest, this man continued on the other side of the road. He avoided the injured man completely. There was a sigh from the crowd. But Jesus continued. A little while later, a third man walked down the road. He was a Samaritan. The crowd gasped. Someone shouted. They're not like us. We don't like them, added someone else. And they don't like us, piped up a third. He won't do anything. That is just where you're wrong, Jesus said. As soon as the Samaritan saw the man lying there, 
he was filled with compassion. He went straight up to him, patched him up. He tended his wounds. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the nearest inn. He paid the innkeeper to look after him until he was better. And he said to the innkeeper, I'm going to be back in a few days. And if this man's care costs any more than I've already given you, I will settle the bill at that point. Jesus turned back to Billy and said, Okay, Billy, which one of these three men was a neighbour to the man who was robbed? Which one showed him love? Sheepishly, Billy answered, Well, it was the one who helped him. Billy couldn't bring himself to say the Samaritan because Jews and Samaritans didn't get on. Jesus smiled at Billy and said, So your neighbour is anyone who needs your help. It's not just those who are like you, those who have the same views and opinions. We need to be compassionate and love everyone, not just our best friends, not just those people who live next door to us. It doesn't matter if people have slightly different opinions to you. You still need to love them. So the greatest commandments are to love God and love others. The Bible says that if we don't love others, then we don't love God either. And loving God enables us to love others through the power of the Holy Spirit. The parable tells us how we should show God's love to everyone, not just those people we like. And do you know what? Just last week, we held a workshop here at Heathervale for Newhall Community School, and it was titled Faith in the Community. We were looking at all the different ways in which Christians serve their community, both locally, nationally, and globally, and how we demonstrate God's love through that service. So in everything we do, we should treat people with love and respect. We should put others before ourselves, because that is what Jesus did. And as we do that, we learn to love God more, and he enables us to love others even more. Thank you, Mark. Another great talk from him. Right, it's now time for the young people to go to their groups. Um, don't know who's taking them out today. <clears throat> and can we have the offering, please? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for every good gift that you've given to us. 
And Lord, freely we give back to you. Lord, we thank you for all the money that's gone through bank accounts. Lord, we thank you that there are things like gift aid that allow us to um, collect more. Um, and so, Lord, we do pray that you would just use what has been given today, what's given during the month, Lord, to just expand your kingdom here in Newhall, but also out to, to further reaches. Lord, we also, at this time, continue to pray for the situation in Ukraine. Lord, we, we, we pray, Lord, you're the, you're the Prince of Peace. Lord, bring peace into that situation, we ask. And Lord, also looking at our own nation and seeing um, the struggles that people are having um, with things like the cost of living crisis. Lord, we ask, Lord, for compassion. For those who are in power, who can make decisions, Lord, we ask that you would just move on them by your Holy Spirit, enable them to make the right decisions for this country, for the poor. Lord, you, you have a heart for the poor, and so, Lord, we do pray that you would just help us to see compassion in our country, in our community. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, this morning's reading, uh, can we have it a little bit bigger, please? Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting older, which I am. <laughs> Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the, yeah, oh, my eyes this morning, be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray for Tony as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that in that passage, we, we hear so much about you being love, but the fact that we need to love our brother. And so, Lord, we just ask now, would you open our ears and our hearts and our minds to your word? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's um, uh, lovely that um, on this today, when we, oh, I've just, just unmuted myself. 
Um, we're talking about love, how wonderful it is with James and Chloe um, to have that news this morning. How appropriate when talking about love, that uh, love is in our midst. Not only with James and Chloe, of course, but uh, love is in our midst through everyone. Uh, and so we come to the final one of our um, uh, new series about our values. And uh, they are values and beliefs that we hold very strong to because uh, they should motivate us and they should prioritize what we do as a fellowship, both inside the church and when we go out of those doors into the community, which effectively is the mission field. We need to show God's love here. We need to show God's love there. But we also need to be a people that are, and these are the four values. You're hopefully not fed up with seeing them because you should now know them off by heart. Spirit-filled, Bible-saturated, sharing Jesus, loving God and others. So we're on number four uh, today, which is uh, loving God and others. And we're looking at uh, John's letter, um, and it's to believers. So it's about what we should be doing as believers. And John tells us that we cannot separate the love of God that comes into us from the love we should have for one another. They go together. But John puts it more effectively in, uh, in verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So it's really clear that we have to first love God. Uh, and we saw a bit of it in the uh, uh, clip that um, Mark did for us because Jesus says the same thing. When he was asked by the expert in the law uh, and uh, the Jewish people, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said this in Matthew 22. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So the message of 1 John is that if we truly love God, that will manifest itself in how we show love to one another. In other words, it's a circle that you first love God is sort of the top part of the circle. The bottom part is we love each other. So it keeps going round and round. The more we love God, the more we love one another. And it just is constant, a virtuous circle. And, the, and I've noticed, and I'm sure you have as well, that the more we experience God's love in our lives, the more we're able to share that with other people. We show it by loving those we come into contact with. And we do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that is living within us. So if we want to know more about God's love or have more of God's love in our lives, then we need to know this love that's in us. And this love that God has showed to us is focused on the cross, that God sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In other words, God showed his sacrificial love for each one of us in giving Jesus. Now, in the culture in which we live, this is not what we hear about in the news, what we see with our own eyes as we can encounter different people. The culture in which we live 
is about being self-centered. In other words, what's in it for me? If I love someone or I do something for someone, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of it in order for me to do something? That's the culture in which we live. We're encouraged to pursue goals that are self-satisfying. We're encouraged to do things that affect us. When we have to do things that affect other people without getting anything in return, it's very different. Now, I'm sure in days gone by, that it was very evident that people were more loving, more relationship-focused um, than they are today. I'm sure those of you that lived through the Second World War saw this in action, that there was love in the community as people shared together because there was a time of crisis and people needed to help be held together, to be strong together. But now, yes, we have a cost of living crisis. We have Ukraine and we have Russia, but we're not totally affected other than the cost of living one. But we need to focus our attention on the love we have for one another rather than goals and love for ourselves. So this morning, um, there are five points, and uh, the basis of the sermon is Martin's, um, because before he tested positive, um, he'd already written it, uh, and so, I, so rather than reinvent the wheel, I've um, used Martin's as, as the basis, so, so uh, it's five points um, from Martin. So first, we can love one another because love comes from God, and we find this in 1 John 4, verses 7 to 8. Dear friends, love, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, does not love does not know God because God is love. And what John is saying here is that because God is love, we can love others. But in order for us to do that, we need to be transformed by the power of God. We need to be transformed by God's love that comes in us. We need to be born of God. And when we're born of God, we can know God's love for ourselves. So what does it mean to be born of God? Well, John tells us in John 1, 12 to 13, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. So whoever believes and accepts that Jesus came into the world to die so that we can have a relationship back with God are born again spiritually. So when someone believes in Jesus and invites him into their life, they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be born again. We are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We have this creation of love that comes to us. We're born again spiritually, and therefore God's DNA is placed in us. Just like in, in those that have children, um, that's why they look a bit like us, is because the, our DNA is in them. So my DNA is in Paul and Claire, Val's DNA is in Paul and Claire, plus I guess some of the grandparents and great-grandparents and so on. The DNA 
is in the children. So if we have God as our heavenly father and we've been born again, we have his DNA in us. What is God's DNA? Well, verse 8 tells us, and it's God is love. God's DNA is God is love. And that's the DNA that is within us. Now, God has many characters, but he is a total love, loving being. God is love. He has lots of other things, but ultimately God is love. Yes, he's merciful, he's gracious, he's judgmental for, for, for sin and evil. He has mercy. He demonstrates all these other characters, but God is love. And love characterizes all of God's activities. Whatever God does, he does out of love, out of love for you and for me. Why is it then that if God is love, do non-Christians have a negative view of God? I mean, some people's view of God is that he's a taskmaster. He spoils our fun. He gets angry. Well, I'm not surprised God gets angry because if we're angry about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, how much more do you think God is angry about what is going on? Because God is love. And I've never experienced God as a hard taskmaster. I've never experienced God as someone who stops me having fun because I have lots of fun uh, and I enjoy my life. But I don't need alcohol, I don't need drugs, I don't need possessions, I don't need all these other things for me to enjoy my life. So God is not someone who wants to spoil our fun. We can have more fun with God than we can ever have without God. So those uh, non-Christians that have a negative view have got it all wrong. They obviously don't know the God that we know. Yes, God does judge, and he is righteously angry at uh, people's response to sin and evil. But to understand why God is like that, we need to first understand that God is love. That his identity is love. And out of that love, so judgment, righteous anger, and so on, comes. We need to experience God's love and righteousness in our own lives in order for us to then love other people. Which is second, since God loved us, we ought to love one another. 1 John 4.11 says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So because God is love, and love comes from God, we're born again into God. We have his DNA in us. Then the ultimate expression of God's love is seen in Jesus. And 1 John 4 verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. There are people, even Christians, who struggle to accept that God loves them. They may have had bad experience of parents. They might have had a bad experience where they've asked God to intervene and he hasn't. 
And therefore, the enemy sits on our shoulders, speaking into our ears. Does God really love you? Does God really love you? Because he did nothing about that. God is love. He can't do anything else other than love us. And maybe it is that because of relationship difficulties with parents, that having a loving father is difficult. But the cross of Jesus is forever a sign of God's love. Even if I was the only person who ever sinned, God would have sent his son to die for me. And I, I, I find it difficult sometimes to get my head around that our God is a creator God. He knows the beginning from the end. So when he did creation, he knew we would fail. He knew he would have to send his son to die for us. You know, I, we often say, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done that. Well, God did know. And he still did it. Isn't that amazing love? And I, I, I can't get my head around it. I really can't get my head around it. That's how much God loves you and loves me. It's a sacrificial love that he has for each of us. 1 John 4 verse 10 says, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Which means Jesus took all of God's righteous anger upon himself when he sent Jesus to the cross. Instead of God's judgment and death on us, we receive forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our love for God and others must partner must be sacrificial love and must show the same sacrificial love as Jesus showed for us. It's easy to say we should love one another and it's easy to be in church here where we love one another. But the Bible says to love your enemies. Loving one another here, loving our friends and our families is easy. Loving those who don't deserve our love our enemies, those the people that hurt us, God calls us to love them. You see, one, at one point, we were enemies of God. Because he says, if you're not for me, you're against me. And he demonstrated his love for us, this sacrificial agape love for each one of us. And we need to have that same love with those we come into contact with. And the love that we have should be demonstrated by our actions. For example, loving children requires a lot of sacrificial love by the parents. And to truly love our children means that we give up things in order to help them. On Tuesday lunchtime, um, I had a, a text from Paul that said, is there any chance you and mum could come down tomorrow to Kent to babysit for us. Ashley's got chicken pox, he can't go to school, we can't go to um, the childminder, we haven't got the day off, can you come down? Well, on the Wednesday, um, I'd booked Val's car in um, to Trident Honda for a service and an MOT. 
I had also booked up with my sister to have fish and chips in West Byfleet, uh, and we don't meet up all that often now. Um, and so I had all these plans for Wednesday. So it would have been easier for me to say, no, you need to sort it. Instead, before I replied, I phoned the garage and said, look, this has happened. Can I bring the car in now? And can I collect it Thursday? And I phoned my sister and she said, no, family comes first, you, you go down to Kent. So before replying, uh, and then I replied to Paul to say, yes, we'll be there. What time? And he said, can you get here for court to eight? <laughs> now, sitting born uh, on a good run down the M25 is an, an hour and a quarter. Um, but of course, at that time of the morning, you're going to hit rush hour at some point and we hit it in Kent. So, so the alarm goes off at quarter to six. And uh, I mean, is that sacrificial love for children? Yes, it is. But that's mild, isn't it? Compared to what God has done for each one of us. And we need to show love for one another. 1 John 4, 12 says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So his love is made complete in us if we love one another. His love will cause us to love one another. And uh, Martin had a, um, um, a, an illustration, um, which I'm going to read to you. And uh, it's an illustration from Campbell. And um, it's a true story about the Second World War. You may, you may have heard this, you may be aware of this. But let me read it. It says, Ernest Gordon spent three years in a Japanese prisoner camp during the Second World War. In his famous book, Miracle on the River Kwai, he recounts the story of how these Scottish soldiers were forced to build a railroad through the jungle. Understandably, their morale and behavior had degenerated through this experience of hardship. Gordon tells a remarkable incident that occurred one day while they labored on the jungle railroad. The officer in charge had become enraged upon discovering that a shovel was missing. He demanded that the missing shovel be produced. Nobody in the squadron owned up to having stolen the shovel. The officer pulled his gun and threatened to kill them all right there and then if the shovel was not recovered. The prisoners of war had no doubt that the threat would be carried out. Then one man stepped forward. The officer put his gun away, picked up a shovel and beat him to death. After removing the corpse, a second count of the shovels was conducted and it was discovered that in fact, no shovel had been missing. There had been a miscount. An innocent man had presented himself to die for the sake of others. The event had a profound effect among the prisoners of the camp. Their degenerated behavior gave way to brotherhood. Each man began, began to respect, love and care for one another. When at last the war came to an end, the allies swept through the region and set the prisoners free, turning the table on their captors. Though the Japanese had been excessively cruel to these men, the former prisoners stood before them without retribution in their hearts. Instead of exacting vengeance upon their former oppressors, the men insisted that there would be no more hatred, no more killing, 
they recognized that what was needed was forgiveness. This remarkable incident illustrates two points. First, the man who sacrificed himself showed genuine love towards his brother. He laid down his life that they might live. In John's Gospel, it says, no greater love has a man than he lay down his life for his friends. And this demonstrates the kind of love with which God loves us. It is costly, sacrificial love extended for the benefit of another. Second, the event transformed the other men who have been saved by his loving sacrifice. Sacrificial love had affected them and affected love in their hearts for one another. The love with which they were, were loved took effect in their own lives and led them to love in the same way, which could be seen in the forgiveness of those who had so brutally expressed, uh, oppressed them. When we receive the awesome sacrificial love of God, it transforms us. We cannot go unchanged by it. This is why love is the mark of someone who truly knows God. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. What a powerful story of sacrificial love. Thirdly, we can know that God loves us because the Holy Spirit lives in us and testifies of God's love. 1 John 4:13. This is how we know that sorry, lost me thing. Um, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirits, his spirit. Now as parents, we love our children and we demonstrate our love for them in a tangible way. We take an interest in what they do and what they're interested in. And when we did babysit on the Wednesday, oh, Peppa Pig, um, Ricky Zoom, um, and all those, yeah, take an interest. Uh, and then we were out in the garden and I was on the trampoline, I was playing football, I was swinging him, uh, and all sorts. Take an interest. Love in action. And I'm no different to you. You would do exactly the same with your children and grandchildren. See, they need our love and they need our support. And we demonstrate our love for them by our actions. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit testifies in us that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus is the Saviour of the world. And the Holy Spirit enables us to know and rely on the truth that God loves us because the Spirit constantly reminds us that God demonstrated his love for us by sending Jesus to the cross. God didn't just testify that he loved us, he demonstrated it with his, act his actions. Sacrificial love of Jesus Christ for us. And the Holy Spirit takes God's testimony that God is love and assures us that it's true because he demonstrated it at the cross. So this morning, if you're struggling to believe that God's love you, then why not ask the Holy Spirit to demonstrate it again, to testify in your life that you are special to God and that he loves you with a love that is beyond measure. And if we pray for that, God will show his love for, for you. Fourthly, God's love drives out fear of Judgment Day. 
in verses 17 and 18. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. So as believers in uh, Jesus Christ, then we don't fear judgment day because Jesus has paid the price for us. We don't need now to face judgment on judgment day because God will look at us through Jesus and we will be declared innocent in God's eyes. And if we have that and we have a confidence in that, there should be no fear in us. And the love of God drives out fear. It drives out fear of all sorts of things, but it drives out the fear of judgment on the last days. And John, John is saying here, the more we love others, the more God's love will give us that assurance that we will be declared innocent on judgment day. 1 John 4, 18 says this, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So if someone is fearing, if you are fearing judgment day, then we need to pray that God will show us through the power of the Spirit living in us that we will be declared innocent on the day of judgment. We need that assurance of God's love. And maybe some of us have lost that confidence. Just ask and God will give it to you back. That God will give us this love that is beyond measure. And when we get that love, we can then demonstrate that to other people. Fifthly and lastly, we can love others because God first loved us. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. God took the first step towards us. We didn't take the step towards him. He took the first step towards us, knowing that we were in sin and facing judgment. He sent Jesus, his only son, into the world. There was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. So God made the first move towards us. As it were, he holds out his hand for us to take his hand and for him to lift us out of judgment into his perfect peace. We were dead in sins. We were separated from God and unable to know him. But God stepped in and brought us life again through Jesus Christ. And we receive God's love as a gift of grace. So that song that we first sung, Grace. We, don't, we should be seeking to love others. We can't do it as an act of will. As I said earlier, loving your enemies is hard. Loving those who hurt us is hard. We need help. We need God's love to pour in more and more so that we can show sacrificial agape love to those perhaps that we find it difficult to love. God has loved us and transformed us. Therefore, that should transform our actions to one another. And God's love is the fuel 
that drives the engine of our love for others. Loving others is costly sometimes. It's demanding. It's not always easy. It's not always convenient. It's difficult. But we're called to do it. As God loved us, so we should love one another. And of course, love also forgives. And sometimes we find it hard to forgive. When people wrong us, it, you know, you get so uptight about it, you get so angry about it. But God forgave us, so we need to forgive one another. And we need to love one another. And this costly love is available to all of us because God's love comes to us through Jesus Christ and transforms our lives to love one another. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in creation you knew we would fail you. We, you knew we would let you down. And yet you still went ahead and created us because you want a relationship with us. You knew there was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. And so you gave your one and only son. And Jesus, we thank you for that sacrificial love that was poured out at Calvary. And even if it was only me that had sinned, you'd have still done it. And that is amazing, that you, almighty God, could love us so much that you were willing to sacrifice your son. How much more should we be able to love one another? And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fill this place, that you will fill our lives, and that the love that is poured into us from God will pour out to one another, will pour out to those we come into contact with in the community, those we come into contact with in our lives, that we might be people that demonstrate our love by our actions. And as Mark showed right at the end uh, of the all-age talk, all those things that are uh, we're involved in, in reaching out in need into the community. Father, will you just bless those things? But Lord, in supporting and helping the community, we want them to know more than just that immediate help and support. We want them to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. So help us with those we come into contact with, not only to demonstrate your love in action, but to share the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do this week. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So our last song um, is one of, of hope, the fact that one day we'll all be together. It's going to be great in heaven with you lot.
That's going to be fantastic. Um, I know you've got to put up with us here, but one day we're all going to be together um, as well. Eh? <laughs> yeah, we're going to all be worshipping together, worshipping our God. So um, let's just finish by singing, When I Stand Before Your Throne. What a joy we'll sing of on that day. Sweet. 
so Father God, we thank you that be one time when there's no more fear, no more pain. Lord, we thank you that you give us a promise of heaven because you loved us, because you sent your son to be a sacrifice for each one of us. And as we go out into this week, help us to show that love to our neighbors, to those around us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, if you're in the sanctuary here, then please join us for tea and coffee next door. Um, and if you're on Zoom, you may unmute.